Welcome to Music for Life, enhancing the Armstrong concert experience. I'm your host, Ryan Malone. In today's episode, we will explore the Moscow Festival Ballet Company and its Russian gala program coming to Armstrong Auditorium on January 29th. In addition to exploring this great Russian institution, we will explore the music from this greatest hits of Russian ballet, the first program of a two-night gala spectacular performed by this historic company rooted in the great Russian tradition. So stick around for our spotlight on the Moscow Festival Ballet and the music from its Russian gala today on Music for Life. This season on Music for Life, we are helping to enhance the Armstrong experience by exploring each of the programs to be presented on our world-class stage this concert season. Our season continues with a two-night blockbuster event on Monday and Tuesday, January 29th and 30th. Performing those two nights will be the Moscow Festival Ballet. In our last episode, we discussed their program for the second night of these two nights. That night will be a presentation of the short Romeo and Juliet Ballet with music by Peter Tchaikovsky. Also filling out this evening will be a Tchaikovsky Gala, a greatest hits of Tchaikovsky ballets, beloved scenes from The Sleeping Beauty and Swan Lake. Again, we explored that program in depth on our previous episode, and you can catch up on any episodes you missed by visiting kpcg.fm or by checking out our SoundCloud page. And you can, of course, also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and keep up to date with the latest programs that way. On today's episode, we are going to explore the first night of this two-night extravaganza from the Moscow Festival Ballet. That evening, they will perform a best-of Russian gala, the greatest hits of ballets by Prokofiev, Pugny, Minkus, and even Saint-Saëns, who had a work choreographed by a famed Russian choreographer. Now, for the last two seasons, when discussing the Russian ballet performances coming to Armstrong, I opened the show with a brief history of ballet, as I thought this would be generally helpful to appreciate these performances at Armstrong. So before we get into our discussion of this particular ballet program and this particular company, I want to play that excerpt from those earlier pre-concert talks so our audience can be reminded of this incredible history first. Ballet is an approximately 400-year-old art form that sprouted out of the social etiquette required among nobility. Choreographed movements such as a tip of the hat and proper elevated posture eventually led to choreographed social movements set to music known as court dances. Since court etiquette in this Renaissance era was choreographed, to be in the presence of the king, you had to learn a specific set of steps or movements. To move ungracefully or to lose your balance was considered a humiliating disgrace. The poise required to be a noble at this time actually is the same poise required today of classical ballet dancers on stage. As ballet developed into a performing art, steps and technique were created, and as steps became standardized, specially designed costumes came about to facilitate freer movement for these motions. 
How all this came about specifically was, in the Renaissance era, Italian dukes and princes devised elaborate pageants in which courtiers danced in ornamental dress. These court dances were the springboard for ballet's appearance in the Baroque era, when these court dances were tied together with a plot line as entertainment for the king. Court dances served not only this entertainment value, but were also marks of prestige among the nobility. This was particularly true in 17th century France under Louis XIV. Dance was considered third among three principal exercises of nobility during his reign, riding, bearing arms, and dancing. Dance masters frequently accompanied the military in order to maintain their training while they were away. Jennifer Holman's book on the history of ballet says, Because physical appearance was taken to be a sign of inborn nobility, courtiers worked very hard to look and act noble. The historical significance of ballet is largely attributed to the importance that Louis XIV placed on its practice and performance in his courts. Holman's writes, It was a matter of state. As he himself later reflected, these performances captured the hearts and minds of the people. He made it integral to life at court, a symbol and requirement of aristocratic identity so deeply ingrained and internalized that the art of ballet would be forever linked to his reign. It was under his auspices that the rules and conventions governing the art of classical ballet were born. Louis XIV's efforts to propagate dance life in France included the establishment of a Royal Academy of Dance in 1661. This academy developed and codified the five dance positions familiar in ballet and used in other dance styles. These positions are the basic vocabulary of ballet, analogous to the scale in music or primary colors in art, the creation of which revolved around presentation and movement in front of the king. From this dance academy, ballet grew from a distinguished act of nobles into a profession, with people training for dance roles and receiving salaries for their involvement. Ballet moved out of the court and onto the stage. Instead of a social activity, it became a theatrical one. As this was happening, the wardrobe of dancers had to change. In the early years of ballet's history back in the courts, nobility had placed as much attention on what they wore while dancing as they did on the dance itself. Costumes reflected more of the status of the dancer, not so much a description of the character he played. And at this time, court dances before the king were primarily performed by men. Women's dancing abilities were recognized only at social balls and occasionally in the queen's court dances. But as female participation in this art form grew, costumes that lent themselves to the freedom of movement for females had to follow, well, follow suit. By the late Baroque era came the reformed ballet dress that freed female movement and paved the way for further technical advances. Eventually, this led to a shortening of the dress and the invention of the tutu developed at the request of those viewing ballet to be able to see the intricate and quick leg movements in the art form. Now, this historical discussion of ballet has centered so far on France. Its origins there explain why almost all ballet terminology is in French much like musical terminology is in Italian, since Italy is where music notation began to be standardized. If you were to watch the Moscow Festival Ballet warm up on our stage here at Armstrong Auditorium, which I have done when they've come before, you mostly hear them talking in Russian to each other, but then when the master gives the command for a specific exercise, I recognize all those words as French words. 
Despite its French roots, the culture arguably at the forefront of the ballet tradition today is the Russian culture. Ballet's roots in this country had similar roots as what happened in France. Though dance in general was a peasant activity in Russia, not a refined art form, this changed under Peter the Great. Peter strove to westernize Russia and imagined himself as a Russian Louis XIV. Peter used the same method as Louis to reform court society with the practice of ballet. Similar to the development of ballet as a whole, the development of ballet in Russia came from a desire for social and noble etiquette, not necessarily as a form of artistic expression. But as in France, it would become formalized into a theatrical art form, and the first Russian state ballet school would open in 1735. Russia has made some of the greatest contributions to the art form, many of which are still performed today, thanks to the compositions of Peter Tchaikovsky and the choreography of Marius Petipa. So what began as pomp and prestige among nobility led to the creation of an art form based on poise and plot set to quality music. It wasn't until ballet progressed to America that its movement was based on something other than activities of a court society. Watch a ballet today without this history, and one can still be entertained. But with this history, one can deeply appreciate the ideals behind the art form's grace and strength, and its royal value still being displayed on stages today. You are listening to Music for Life. I'm your host, Ryan Malone. This is KPCG. On today's episode, we are exploring the Moscow Festival Ballet Company and its Russian gala program coming to Armstrong Auditorium on Monday, January 29th. The Moscow Festival Ballet was founded in 1989 by the legendary principal dancer of the Bolshoi Ballet, Sergei Radchenko. Radchenko graduated from the Moscow School of Dance in 1964 at the age of 20. After 25 years of working with the Bolshoi Ballet, Radchenko wanted to establish a new ballet company that combined the highest classical elements of both the Bolshoi and Kirov Ballet companies, and today Radchenko is the artistic director of this company of 50 dancers. Since its inception, the Moscow Festival Ballet has toured all over the world. In addition to commissioning new works from within Russia and abroad, the company also performs classic ballets and specializes in 20th century full-length ballets, such as Sergei Prokofiev's Cinderella, a scene from which they will perform at Armstrong Auditorium on Monday, January 29th, when they present their gala program. Again, a greatest hits of the Russian ballet tradition. So what we will be doing for today's program is playing the music of the selected scenes that the Moscow Festival Ballet has chosen for this gala program. At the top of the program will be the famous Rose Adagio scene from Act One of The Sleeping Beauty with music by Peter Tchaikovsky and choreography by Marius Petipa, ballet master for the Imperial Theater in St. Petersburg for about the last 40 years or so of the 19th century. In addition to being one of the most iconic set pieces from this ballet, the key feature of this Rose Adagio choreographically is its technical difficulty. After a sparky allegro entrance, the ballerina has to steady herself for a series of unsupported balances taking off from each of her four princes in turn, as Tchaikovsky's music builds to an expectant climax around her. We are hearing a recording of Andre Previn conducting the London Symphony Orchestra.
The Gorgeous Rose Adagio by Peter Tchaikovsky, a scene from Act One of his beloved ballet, The Sleeping Beauty, which will open the gala program from the Moscow Festival Ballet on Monday, January 29th. This night is a greatest hits of Russian ballet scenes. We just heard a recording of the London Symphony Orchestra under Andrei Previn. After that, the company will perform a work by Tchaikovsky that was re-choreographed by the Moscow Festival Ballet's own Elena Radchenko. She took two pas de deux by Tchaikovsky and reworked them into something completely new. And then after that, the company will perform a short scene from The Little Humpbacked Horse, a ballet by Cesare Pugni with choreography by Artur Salion. The scene is called The Oceans and the Pearls. This ballet was composed in 1864 and was based on a celebrated Russian poem by Peter Yershov. It was a massive success when it premiered at the Imperial Ballet with Emperor Alexander II in attendance. After that, the Moscow Festival Ballet's gala program will include the adagio from Romeo and Juliet, a ballet by Sergei Prokofiev, with choreography by the Moscow Festival Ballet's Elena Radchenko. This adagio scene is also known as the balcony scene, where the two title characters dance a pas de deux outside Juliet's balcony bedroom window before each reluctantly depart. We are hearing a recording of Andrew Mogrelia conducting the Czechoslovak State Philharmonic in a 1989 recording.
We just heard the adagio from Sergei Prokofiev's Ballet Music for Romeo and Juliet, performed by the Czechoslovak State Philharmonic with Andrew Mogrelia conducting. That's different music than the Romeo and Juliet to be performed by the Moscow Festival Ballet on Tuesday, January 30th, when they perform Tchaikovsky's famous ballet. So what we just heard was a scene from this Russian gala program on Monday night, which is from Prokofiev's Ballet. After that scene from the Prokofiev Ballet, the company will perform another adagio by Sergei Prokofiev. This one is from his Cinderella Ballet, which was choreographed by Rostislav Zakharov. This is the scene where Cinderella thinks back on the ball she attended and finds a glass slipper in one of her pockets. And at the end of the scene, the prince learns who the owner of the slipper is and both dance a beautiful pas de deux. Here is another recording by Andre Previn and the London Symphony Orchestra.
We just heard the adagio from Act Three of Prokofiev's Cinderella in a recording by the London Symphony Orchestra under Andre Previn. To conclude their first half of this best-of Russian ballet program, the Moscow Festival Ballet will perform a scene from a ballet by Ludwig Minkus, either the Act One Grand Pas de Deux from La Bayadère or the Act Three Grand Pas from Don Quixote. This is still to be determined. Now, to open the second half, they will perform a Pas de Quatre, based on a composition by Cesare Pugni. Pugni's score was originally choreographed by Jules Perrault in 1845. This was at the suggestion of a British opera manager who was trying to get four celebrity ballerinas to dance together at Her Majesty's Theatre in London. This was a real feat, F-E-A-T, because the celebrity and the salaries of the prima ballerinas of the 19th century were about as big as their egos. The first performance of this quartet of dancers was enthusiastically received, to say the least, and by the third performance, Queen Victoria herself and her husband, Prince Albert, were in the audience. About a century later, a British dancer and choreographer re-choreographed the work for the Ballet Russe de Monte Carlo. Let's hear this work. We're hearing a recording of the London Symphony Orchestra under the baton of Richard Bonning.
We just heard the Pas de Quatre by Cesare Pugni, performed by Richard Bonning, conducting the London Symphony Orchestra. This is a work that was choreographed for the Russian Ballet in the 1940s and will be featured as the opening act of the second half of the Moscow Festival Ballet's Russian Gala program at Armstrong Auditorium on Monday, January 29th. After that, the Moscow Festival Ballet will be performing a dance by Vitaly Zabelin, who choreographed the third movement of Peter Tchaikovsky's famous Sixth Symphony, the Allegro Movement. Here is that movement of the Tchaikovsky Symphony performed by Eugene Ormandy conducting the Philadelphia Orchestra.
You are listening to Music for Life. I'm your host, Ryan Malone. This is KPCG. On today's episode, we have explored the Moscow Festival Ballet Company and its Russian gala program, coming to Armstrong Auditorium on Monday, January 29th. More information about this and all Armstrong performances can be found at armstrongauditorium.org. You can follow Armstrong Auditorium on social media, and be sure to follow Music for Life on social media at Music for Life PCG so you don't miss any of our programming updates or interesting links. We just heard Eugene Ormandy conducting the Philadelphia Orchestra in the third movement of Tchaikovsky's beloved Sixth Symphony, subtitled Allegro, after its tempo. This movement was choreographed by the Russian dancer Vitaly Zabelin. This work will be featured on the second half of the Moscow Festival Ballet's program at Armstrong. After this, the company presents a famous solo dance choreographed by the legendary Russian choreographer Mikhail Fokin. He took the famous Swan by Camille Saint-Saëns and turned it into one of the most famous solo dances ever created. He titled it Dying Swan, which represents the final struggle for life of a dying bird. I won't play this music since I've played the Swan several times on Music for Life before. Instead, we'll move on to the final piece of the program. The Moscow Festival Ballet will conclude its Russian gala program on January 29th with selections from the ballet by Minkus titled Paquita. It was choreographed by Petapa, and it is considered one of the most celebrated displays of technical fireworks from the old imperial Russian ballet, and they stand as some of the greatest examples of Petapa's choreographic genius. The ballet is set in Spain during the Peninsular War about a gypsy girl, Paquita, who saves the life of an officer in Napoleon's army who, long story short, she ends up marrying. Let's hear a snippet of great music from this ballet to conclude today's program. Here is the finale of the work, and we're hearing it in a recording by the original Bolshoi Theater Orchestra. I hope you enjoy it, and I hope to see you soon at Armstrong.
You have been listening to Music for Life, a production of KPCG 101.3 on the FM dial in Edmond, Oklahoma. From the Herbert W. Armstrong College campus, I'm Ryan Malone. Thanks for joining me.